0: There's a little verse that always astonishes me and it's 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 and it says, So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do everything for the glory of God. So if I'm hearing that verse right, even actions that we take on an everyday basis can be done either for the glory of God Or not. Eating and drinking something as small and as average and every day can be done for the glory of God. Building off of what Cody reminded us earlier about New Year's resolutions and how we can be praying for the Lord's help to bring change and resolution into our lives. for yourself. Continue to restore us to that glory that you've made us for. Help us to see our lives in light of you. Help us to live for that goal daily. Whether we eat, whether we drink, even in the smallest everyday habits and actions, Lord, help us to bring you Now, I pray as we open up your holy word, Lord, speak through your word to all of us and to our hearts about your great love for us, about how you sent your one and only Son to redeem us, to rescue us from our sin and death, so that we may then in turn live lives that glorify you. And I pray that today we would take steps that honor Christ in our our lives in response to hearing your word. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. See if this dialogue sounds familiar to you, especially if you're a parent. So here comes the parent. It's time to clean your room. The, The child responds, I don't want to do it now. Parent. Well, that's too bad. It's not an option. I'm telling you, it's a requirement. The child. Why, why do I have to clean my room? It's not like anybody's going to see it. The parent. It's not about anybody else seeing it. You need a clean s- space. And even so, what if we had company over? They're probably going to see your room. Child. But, but I'm a kid. It's okay for me to have fun. It's okay for me to be a little messy. Who cares, parent? You can still have fun and be a kid, but that doesn't mean you have to ignore basic things that we all have to do, like cleaning our room. Who has it if you're a parent, at least argue once with one of your kids like that, cleaning your room? <laughs> Dallas is pointing over here. So, are you pointing at your siblings or your community? So we recognize that argument because it's, it's so familiar. In the book of Malachi the Old Testament, there's actually a series of six arguments with God where God argues with his people, Israel, just like that, as if he were their parent arguing with a child. And today, we're going to start a new sermon series called Arguing with God through the book of Malachi. God argues with his people, not just to respond to their rebuffs and their arguing. He actually argues back to communicate his vast love for them. So that's what our role is in this sermon series, to hear God. Give a clear argument about how much he absolutely loves us. So I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi is easy to find because it's the last book in the Old Testament. So if you can find Matthew in the New Testament and just go one look back, then you're going to find Malachi. And we're going to hear the first argument that Israel has with God. This is verses 1 through 5 in Malachi. A pronouncement. The word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. If you ask, we will reveal the ruins. The Lord of armies says this, they may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked country and the people the Lord has cursed forever. Your own eyes will see this and you yourselves will say the Lord is great even beyond the borders of Israel. This is God's holy word. So from the get go, we hear how Malachi isn't speaking for himself. He is a prophet or a messenger delivering a message from God to his people. In fact, the name Malachi means my messenger. So this wasn't his idea. This was God speaking through this prophet Malachi. Malachi. About 150 years prior to this, there was one of the most climactic and traumatic episodes that happened in the Old Testament. And that was when God sent the nation of Babylon to go and to conquer his people, Israel, in Judah. They carried off a lot of the people into exile where they stayed for 70 long years. Jerusalem lay in ruins, a lot of people died. It felt like the world was ending for the people of Israel. But God hadn't forgot about his promises. He had promised through other prophets prior to this, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, Daniel, that God, even though he would judge and discipline his people for their continued disobedience, he was going to bring them back. He was going to give them mercy. He was going to bring them back into the land, and they were going to be able to rebuild. And that's where we pick up with the prophet Malachi, the people had been brought home. They had to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They had to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But there was just one problem. Spiritually speaking, they were much the same. They were acting like blinding, spoiled, ungrateful children like they always had. But God, through Malachi, deliver this message telling them that they needed to wake up, that they needed not only to return to their own land, but they needed to return to Him spiritually. And that's what the book of Malachi is about. It's Him you know, declaring the love of God, but still arguing back with God and giving excuses about why they didn't have to obey God the way that Malachi was talking about at least. So he begins by speaking these words, I'm sure surprising words to the people of Israel because of how distant they were from God, how disobedient they were being from God. He starts out just declaring just clearly I have loved you, says the Lord. The book of Malachi is full of correction, it's full of rebuke, against Israel, but right here from the start, they're told, I have loved you. And that's what God wanted them to know more than anything else. So the basis of his requirement, the basis of his instruction was his love, was his deep love that he has for his people. They didn't receive this very well. They were glad to hear about the love that God had for them. Because immediately, they pushed back on this, how have you loved us, God? We don't believe you, God. How have you loved us? Even though God had loved him so well for centuries and centuries, more than they could think or ask, more than they could really imagine, they pushed back, basically saying, prove it, God. And to prove it, God gives them a short history lesson about his love for them. And his answer was another question. Was not Esau, Jacob's brother? And even so, I love Jacob, but I hate Esau. Pretty strong words. What does he mean by that? I hate Esau. I love Jacob, but I hate Esau. This goes back deep into the Old Testament. This goes back to Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac being Abraham's son. They're expecting twins. And inside, even from inside the mother's womb, there is a war going this was all foreshadowed and and prophesied. And as the the twin boys were were born, um, the, the younger was grabbing at the heel of the older, showing how one day he would supplant Jacob, the younger would supplant the older boy named Esau. And how God had chosen Jacob for a special purpose to carry on the covenant promises that he had given to Abraham, that he had given to Isaac and Jacob in a way that Esau wouldn't. Even as the older he was the one who would usually in ancient culture here inherit all of the promises of the family. But it was flip in this case, as God often does throughout the Bible. It was flip because the younger was going to carry on the inheritance and the special covenant promises that God had given to Abraham. It was going to be Jacob, not Israel. I'm sorry, not Esau. So you see here, God had chosen Jacob, not Esau, Jacob and his descendants, and not Esau and his descendants, which was Edom. Jacob's descendants being Israel, and oftentimes you'll see throughout the Old Testament the name Jacob and Israel being used interchangeably to identify the people of God. It wasn't as if God didn't love the people of of Edom. But his love for his people of Israel was so much greater, was of so much of a different kind of intensity that it could be said that God hated Edom, hated Esau, in comparison. I have loved Jacob, or I have loved my people Israel, but I hate Esau. to the intensity of love that you have for your very own children. It's like like that. It's the same with God. He he loves His own people as His own in a special way. He has love for all people, but there is an intensity of love for His very own children that is is different in kind toward any other people. In verses 3 through 5, God goes goes on to demonstrate how this was true during Malachi's time. Remember how I said that Babylon, about 150 years prior to this, had attacked and demolished Israel? Then God allowed them. The land. It helped them to rebuild their city and he started to give them a life again. On verses 3 through 5, God reminds Israel of this his love and compassion, his purpose that he had for them. And then he turns to Edom, he turns to Esau and his descendants and he says, Look at them. Compare the grace and favor that I have given you because simply because I have chosen you for a special purpose. Because you are my own. You belong to me. Look at how I rebuilt you. But then look at Edom. Verse 3. I turned his mountains into a wasteland. And gave his inheritance to the desert jackals. And then God goes on to talk about how Edom was continually even more rebellious against him. How they had turned away from him. And completely rejected their creator, God. So it wasn't as if Edom didn't deserve this punishment that God gave him. But the point that God was making was, Look, Israel, I have loved and disciplined you like a father does his children. Yes, you went through a painful trial, a time that was terrible for you, but the reason why was because I loved you. Was because you went away from me. You were devastated. Now I want you back. I want your heart to be mine again. And I haven't brought on back and built up their land in the same way that I have shown you special grace and favor because you belong to me. Don't you see? this from my heart needs love for you to a greater degree than any other people on planet earth. Now to show some sympathy for Israel and them pushing back against God's love saying how have you loved us? We can do the very same thing. I know I can do the very same thing. So easily can we forget God's great love and compassion that he's shown us through Christ. And there are plenty of life circumstances that we go through that can cause someone to doubt God's love, neglect, and abuse, suffering, and sickness, and many, many others to be made that can cause people to think, God's forgotten me. How can he love me if this has has happened? I found that there are was written in uh, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography in 2016 uh, about his experience with his own father. His own father, his whole life, never would tell Bruce Springsteen or his siblings that he loved them, and that was just hard for Bruce Springsteen. And Bruce Springsteen, I'm sure y'all recognize the name, the famous. Uh, rocker, um, probably the rock and roll music hall thing, and he said this in his autobiography that the best you could get from his dad was this. He he said you could say love you pops, and he would just sort of run back me too. He said he had a stroke, and he would tell him I love you, and still the same thing, he would just kind of croak back Me too. He said he'd be hearing his voice breaking up, but he could never get out the words. Aren't you so glad that God has gotten out the words? I love you. The Bible tells us that God proves, He demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were still rebelling, even while we were still questioning the depth and riches of God's love for us, even while we were still pushing back, just like Israel was there now Malachi's day, God demonstrated his own love for us through sending his Son, Jesus Christ. And the depth of God's love is shown in the cross. That God sent his one and only son to take the wrath that we deserve for our sin on himself. He shows us he loves us by being pulverized and being punished for what we have done that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then he rose again victoriously from the grave to prove that God had accepted his offering in our place. And now, anyone and everyone who will turn from their sin, who will hate their own sin, who will hate their own life that they try to selfishly apart from God, turn to Christ and entrust in, in His redeeming love can be saved, can be forgiven, can be adopted as God's own child. You can enjoy the special favor and blessing of God that, that you can't find anywhere else. So I completely get Israel because I'm just them. I have spiritual amnesia so often I forget how God loves me. We can all do that. Whether it's through life circumstances that we forget or for other reasons we forget. And we can get in this arguing match where we turn into whiny little children. Now how have you Prove it, God. When God says, look at the cross. Look at how I've demonstrated my love for you by sending my son as a sacrifice for your sins. And the cure to all of this, the cure to all of our fears, the cure to all of our doubts is to hear it again. Is to hear it again and again and again is to remind yourself of the great love that God has for you through Jesus again and again. It's to keep seeking Him, it's to keep worshiping Him, and it's in Him, Jesus, that you will know for sure that God loves me. We will not ever have to ask again, how have you loved me, God? Because you'll see it in the cross. God loves me. And above all else, and no and i will finish with this. Remember this little phrase. Require, I'm sorry, relationship before requirements. Relationship before requirements. We're going to talk about All sorts of things that God requires of His people as we preach through the book of Malachi. There are all sorts of commands spread out all over God's Word about His requirement for us. That ways that He wants us to obey Him, things that He wants us to do. But if we get that flip flop, if we put the requirement Environment parts before the relationship parts, that is the number one reason why somebody is going to doubt the love of God for them. It's when we feel like we have to earn it. When we feel like the love of God is conditioned based on how much we accomplish or how much we do for God. We have to put the relationship, what Christ has done, to bring us into a right relationship with God first, and then, when that load has been taken off of our back, it's then, in joy and freedom, can we start to live like God wants us to live if we think we have to just ride it out if we think that that if we mess up then God's going to desert us if we live in guilt and fear and shame because we put the requirement part first the poor relationship part we're just going to be miserable but we're going to be constantly basing how much we get done as what it means to be loved by God There's going to be limits to our view of the love of God if that's the case. But if we see Jesus first, if we put him first and what he
1: did for us on the
0: cross, we're going to see that God's love for us has no bounds. God's love for us is free because God loves us because he loves us. He doesn't love us based on who we are, but he loves us based on who he is. Maybe that needs to be your own prayer today. God, remind me of your great love for me. Help me to get this right. Help me to put relationship before requirements. And then, let it be settled in my heart that I know you love me. From that freedom Then start to obey, start to love God back, start to cherish him more. Let's go to the Bible. About what Jesus has done us, that we won't never forget it again. Help us to have assurance in Him. Help us to love Him, help us to cherish Him. Help us to start to obey and to serve you through Him. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have that relationship with you, Lord. If it is your will, Lord, I pray that today they would really believe. Lord, I, I, I pray the Lord that they would, for the first time, see Jesus and really what he has done for them. Receive him and let the load and the burden of sin and guilt be taken away today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand and, and, and respond to God? Will you worship today? Will you, will you come if God is leading you to come? Uh, will you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Will you recognize I have it? Will you ask God to show me your great love for me? And give me your mercy and assurance today. Thank <music>